Welcome to Football Neophyte, where an American who knows a lot about sports, but little about soccer, uh, football, journeys through the 2018-19 English Premier League season to discover a team to root for. I'm your host, Nate Hughes. Welcome to this week's episode of Football Neophyte. We are featuring Fulham FC this week, and we have Grant Harris with us. He is a supporter out in Texas. And a couple unique things about today's episode. Uh, One, this is the first episode I'm recording at home. I'm sitting outside. It is 8 o'clock at night. It's 92 degrees. And believe it or not, that is cool here in Phoenix. The other great thing is I just got back from a pub with my mates you see what I'm doing here? I'm using yeah. some good uh, like British terminology. Uh, just had a nice porter. Now I'm here drinking a Modelo. And uh, this is the first uh, podcast that I've recorded two beers in. Normally I'm recording at the office at work uh, in the mornings or, or at noon. The question is, was the porter 5% or was it 9%? The porter was like seven and a half. Okay. So it was a good, it was a good porter. Um, and now I'm on to a Modelo Especial. So okay. nice. toning it down a little bit, toning it down as I, as I wind down my night. So Grant, thanks so much for being here. I'm um, glad to be here. Great to have you. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, uh, how you became a Fulham fan. You're, you're out there in Texas right now. So how does a a Texas boy become a Fulham fan? And uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, you know, it's kind of like, it's the same kind of question as how does a East Texan boy from a small town ended up scoring 50 goals for Fulham in the premier league. There we go. It has, has a lot to do with it. You know, here in East Texas, especially football, American football is, is King. And I never, you know, six, seven year old soccer and that's it, you know, and you're done. Yep. And I never watched, I think I've probably kind of, kind of sparked my interest again, probably 2006 uh, world cup and 2010, I was a lot more interested. And by that time, my older brother had already started following Fulham because of the Clint Dempsey connection and he, he said to me, he said, Hey, you know, he said, you know, you should really, we just made a run in the Europa league. He said, you know, you should give, give soccer or give football a try again. And, uh, I just thought, no, you know, I don't want to watch this, you know, this just watch the world cup or watch the euros or whatever. And that will be enough for me. And so, well, you know, let me just give this a try. Let me watch like three or four games. And I think one of the first like I guess second match that I watched Dempsey scored a double and it just in my connection with Nacogdoches and Nacogdoches connection with, uh, with Clint, Demp- Clint Dempsey kind of just came hand in hand there. And I just started following, I watched them one season and I think probably before even Christmas, I was just hooked and I was just obsessed with it. It just it was an, it was an obsession because if you really start to follow one team in the premier league, it's, it's hard not to, I don't think there, I don't think there's any other sport on or any other league play on earth that can just pull you in like that. And, you know, watch them for a couple of seasons 
Dempsey left, and when he left, and the way that he left the club, there's maybe a little, you know, I'm disappointed in the way he left because a lot of times when top players in the league want to move, they will refuse to play or there will be friction between the coach and there was a lot of friction with him. The way he left just disappointed me. And my disappointment in that kind of made me realize, you know, I'm not really haven't been following this because of Clint Dempsey for quite a while now. It's just because I've fallen in love with the club. And, you know, of course the club has more than any other premier league uh, team or any other team in England uh, has a connection with America that is, is just very strong and has been for a long time. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about that. Like, it sounds like there's a long history of Americans playing at Fulham. The owner, even though I know he's not like native to America, he's an American now. Right. So Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about that. Well, even before uh, Shahid Khan purchased the club in 2013, uh, the previous owner, Mohammed Al-Fayed and his leadership had kind of looked to America as MLS was an up and coming as a place where they could come and get some Premier League talent. So you had some people come in like Carlos Bocanegra and um, Eddie Johnson and Brian McBride and Casey Keller. And then recently what you've seen in our academy is our academy is full of young American players, huh. eight, nine, 10, 12 year old kids that have been recruited to, to Fulham that get their education through our academy um, and also, you know, become footballers and develop their football skills through our academy as well. So, uh, let me, so can I ask you a question about that real quick? Because I'm, I'm not familiar totally with the academy and we don't need to get totally sidetracked, but yeah. is, so these are kids, American kids who move to London and Correct. are in Fulham's academy and being trained. That's they, how that works. You know, 8 a.m. they go to class and at 1 p.m. they're out on the pitch. Wow. And it's a, it, it's, you know, it, it's like that. I would say probably depending on the size of the club from league one, even probably some clubs that are in league two are able to do that. But um, mostly, you know, championship and premier league clubs have academies and systems in place where, you know, you develop uh, a, a kid from, a very young age, both academically and, you know, on the pitch. Interesting. Okay. That's helpful. Yeah. So, okay, so you got this long history of American players playing at the premier league level, the, mm-hmm. the first team club level, but now even like bringing kids in at the young academy level too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, it, it's just been, it's been a constant thing. I think there were a couple of years there, 2013, 2014, we really didn't have a standout American player. And then we bought Tim Ream from Bolton. And uh, so it's just continued on. Yeah. Okay. You, 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 you won't, you will not find that in any, I'm not saying it's a reason to follow Fulham, but it is something unique about our club is that it does have, a strong connection with America and a rich connection with America, not just, Oh, well, we know we're Chelsea or we're United and we have this, you know, conglomerate global corporation that can, you know, constantly just put the badge in front of kids and develop uh, a support that way that, you know, it's, it's more ingrained here with the, um, if you, if you talk to people in the football or the soccer community in the United States, they know who Fulham is 
and we're you know we're respected by those people whether or not they actually are supporters of our club yeah tell me a little bit about how i'm sorry i'm i'm actually in a fantasy football league Mm -hmm. and uh my god so for the 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 notifications you keep hearing Mm -hmm. are all of my friends texting about tonight's football game so Sorry for the constant dinging. I'm like trying to remove it from my computer and it won't do it. So it's okay. No problem. That's for you. And for everyone listening, these guys just continue writing about what's going on in American football tonight. So, um, so tell me a little bit about like what it was like to be relegated, right? Cause this is the first, this is the first season back in the premier league and how long, uh, since May of 2014. Okay. So that's a long run. It was absolutely terrible when it happened because, um, you know, when, whenever I started following the club, we had a couple of good years and a year of struggle and a year of struggle and then a year of relegation. And the first season that we were in the championship, it was just, it's, it was so hard to follow what was going on on the pitch because I did not get, I think maybe four or five live matches that year. Yeah. Now, if you support a championship club, you can watch every single one of them. But at that time and up until this past season, I only got to selectively watch games live and it just, it, it didn't make me feel apart from the club. It just made me feel like, um, you know, I'm, I listen to every match that I could. I mean, I work every other weekend. I work in healthcare, so I have to work every other weekend. So every match that I could, I listen to. We have a, a radio, full broadcast radio where our home announcer, you know, calls the match. Um, but the matches that I saw, the majority of them were uh, the day after. You know, that uh-huh. I got minutes. So it was really, it was tough. And then, you know, it's the whole feeling of, you know, you're just not as relevant anymore. Um, but talking about being a championship club and just thinking about what you're doing and you're thinking about what kind of club to which club, you know, you want to support and you want to hear from all these different perspectives. I'm going to give you a perspective that you probably won't hear from anybody else. And that would be to not, not limit yourself to only premier league clubs because I felt like in the four seasons that we were in, in the championship, I gained such a more broad perspective about the English game, about the players that are involved, about the relegation um, struggles, not only in the Premier League, because in the championship, the first two seasons, we're very close to being relegated to League One. And in the championship or in League One, you are always, always, always playing for something for 90% of the season. Where in the Premier League, once you, you know, you get your 40 points and you feel like you're safe, well, then you, maybe you're playing for Europe, but probably not. And then you have four or five clubs that are actually playing for something in relegation. The championship, you are playing for, if you're in the middle part of the uh, of the table, you're playing for that sixth-place spot to get in the playoffs. If you get in the playoffs, you're playing that first match, or first, the two legs, uh, to get to Wembley. And if you get to Wembley, then you are playing in absolutely the biggest football match in England every year is the championship playoff final because it's worth hundreds and hundreds of millions of pounds uh, when you do that. And, you know, we had, um, we played Villa. Uh, my brother actually got to go and 
you know, we had 40,000 Fulham supporters show up and it just, it's just a, it's an amazing experience just to be um, promoted to the Premier League that way and not automatically to actually win that playoff final and be promoted is something that most people will never get to experience as a supporter of another club. And I just feel like the, me learning about football was being in a championship was a very valuable experience for me. And I feel like as supporting a club that hasn't always been just always top tier like Liverpool or always top tier like United that, you know, I just, I have a greater appreciation about where we are now. And I have some of those same feelings as some of our older supporters had, you know, prior to the two thousands when we were struggling to get from league one, league two back down and never really could break into the top tier again. Um, so I, I wouldn't just only limit yourself to that. And now if you do look into supporting a team that's in the second tier in the championship, you can see every single match live. The quality of football is good. It is not respected by people who've never watched it before. And that it's just a close side, a um, very close minded approach to where is the talent in England? And there is a lot of talent in the championship and the football, in my opinion, is most often very entertaining, if not more entertaining than Premier League football. Yeah, that's that's such a good perspective. I mean, obviously, I think any guy, any team that's out of the top six coming on as a guest of this, you've got an uphill battle, right? Like, right. The top six are the top six for a reason. They're the ones who have the fan clubs. They're the ones who I can go and watch at a, at a local pub because they've got the supporters. Fulham's got a bit of an advantage because I think there are more American fans. Mm-hmm. I, think if you look, yeah, I think if you look outside of Chelsea, United, Liverpool, and Tottenham, I think you'll probably find more, um, and maybe even Arsenal, you know, you're going to find more Fulham supporters than you would other clubs because of, because of the, because of the American tie to that. Yeah. Um, and you know, day to day to, you know, week to week, um, if you go in and there's this kind of motto between Fulham supporters, um, never expecting, always believing. And we, we always feel like we're fighting and it's, it's just a, we never go into a match feeling like, you know, we're just going to destroy this team. We're going to win five nil there. That may be now last season, we went on a 23 game unbeaten run and I felt very confident going into a lot of, a lot of, a lot of matches, but I, um, we're headed in the right direction now. And there's some stability that our ownership has created that is going to provide for, um, us to have the opportunity to thrive as we kind of move on. Yep. Yeah, so let's talk a little bit about the match this week, uh, Fulham versus Watford. Um, a unique game in some respects for me to watch as like an as a neophyte, as someone new to the sport, because it's two maybe more traditionally like mid-level squads, but you've got Watford who was playing out of their mind, um, <laughs> you know, and is in a top level spot and then Fulham as a, as a newly promoted team. So, mm-hmm. um, but, uh, a really fun match to watch. I think one of the things that stood out to me, um, even as someone who doesn't understand uh, English premier league, super deeply Craven cottage, just yeah, a beautiful and unique and remarkable stadium. Like, I don't know a lot about the different stadiums, but 
I do know, and I'd heard of Craven Cottage beforehand. And so to be able to watch this match and see the beauty of that stadium. It's, it's, it's the probably, and of course I'm biased, but I think that when I, whenever I, you know, communicate with supporters of other clubs or I hear the comments they make, they always like coming to an away day at Craven Cottage because it is, you know, one of the mo- most unique football grounds in England. It is a traditional football ground in that if you go, you are very, very close to the pitch. I've been to two matches there. And it's just, if you, if you, if you walk in, you're just in, you're just so close to what's going on on the pitch. And it just, and you know, if you're outside of the stadium, we have a, it's unique in that the backside of the stadium is right on the river Thames. On one side, you have the Hammersmith bridge. On the other side, you have the Putney bridge. You have the Hammersmith end and the Putney end. And then we have our Johnny Haynes stand. Johnny Haynes, one of the um, widely recognized as one of the best players for England. He was a Fulham uh, player and uh, used to be called our Stevenage Road stand, which is the road that runs up and down that side of the uh, stadium. It's outside. It's just absolutely beautiful. And inside, when you walk in, on the, in the Johnny Haynes stand, there are still some of the old seats that were the original ones there from the 1890s. Wow. Um, you know, we're the oldest club in London. We were formed in 1879. Um, we, our history, although it's not, you know, full of trophies, we do have a very rich history. Um, and we are what, you know, if you, if you look at, you know, the Tottenham's and the Arsenal's and the Chelsea's, you have all these people flooding from all over England and around to see these matches. And if you go to Fulham, uh, people are coming in out of their houses onto the streets and walking in. It's truly uh, a neighborhood family club. We're known as a family club. Uh, it's very family friendly to go there. It's not a raucous crowd. Um, we have one end where, you know, the football lads, which is another term you need to become familiar with, uh, like to go. And this is where we sing. And uh, we have a, the best environment on that end of the end of the pitch. But uh, yeah, Craven Cottage is just it's an amazing place. When I went there the first time, I just, I, I couldn't believe I was actually there, you know, because I've been watching for so many years. And first time that I had an opportunity to see us play was against wolves last, well, I guess two seasons ago. Um, so it was, it's just an amazing, amazing place to go. And you won't, if you go there and then you go to uh, Chelsea and you walk from this beautiful hundred something year old place into a concrete pit, you will know the difference. Yeah. It, it will truly, once, if you are a Fulham sport and you walk in there, it will feel like you're going to church for the day. That's and cool. It's, uh, it's, it's a, it, for me, it was almost like a religious experience. It was. Uh, and there's something appealing about that, right? Like I'm a huge baseball fan. I've seen games at Fenway. I've seen games <clears throat> at Wrigley. I've seen games at old Yankee stadium. And there's something <clears throat> sad about the fact that, there's a new Yankee stadium, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, I, I, if I were a Tottenham supporter, I feel like there'd be a lot of sadness about Whiteheart. Right. And how last or season before last one, I went to see Fulham play, uh, Spurs were playing Southampton and it was on one of the extra days that I was there. And I went up to Whiteheart lane to see the match and you could definitely, I was talking to some of this, the construction for the new stadium was going on. And the, the guy that I sat next to, he wasn't, you know, 100% sold on moving, although it's literally right next to where, you know, the old pitch was. It's just, 
I don't, for them, I think they have so many memories there. And White Hart Lane was a traditional English, right. English football stadium. And the new one is not going to be like that. So hopefully, you know, I hope for their supporters, their club that I respect, I hope for their supporters, they won't end up with the same kind of environment, like what's happening at West Ham right now, where you've gone into this, you know, it, it's, it's not a traditional football ground and hopefully they won't lose that appeal. Yeah. You know, it's a historic club in London and I, you know, I hate that, you know, that's changing for them if it is, although it will be very good for, for the financial aspect of their club. You know, they're going to have a lot of events there and provide them more stability and, you know, White Hart Lane was a little bit run down, but I mean, it was still White Hart Lane, you know, so uh, I don't ever see that happening with Fulham. We're in the uh, process of redeveloping our stand that's on the Riverside right now, Riverside stand. Uh, We're going to expand our uh, capacity up to close to 30,000. Um, and that will, that will help us uh, going yeah. forward. Cool. Yeah. So let's talk about the match a little bit. Um, obviously some pretty like shaky defense to start, <laughs> to start the match. Um, I don't know. How do you say his name? Mousen? Mosen? Uh, Mosen. Mosen. You know, I, we, do, I don't know how he normally plays. And I think this is what's hard about like watching one match a week, right? Is, I don't know how these guys normally play. I just get to see one match, but I mean, it just was so hard to watch him. Well, if you're, if you're, he's out right now, what we were told yesterday by the club is he's out with the back injury. And I think he might've been struggling with something then. But uh, another thing is that from the first match to now, and I think this really all stems around the fact and not to bring it up early, but Tim Ream has been injured. Uh huh. He's uh, not played at all this season. Is that he why he didn't? I mean, he wasn't listed on the subs. Right. I mean, I was interested, right? Yeah. Is we've got an American on the club, yeah. maybe actually a couple Americans, but he was the one that I was interested in maybe watching. And then, you know, I get up, it's four twenty in the morning, stumble out of bed, see who the starting eleven are. He's not listed. Then I look at the subs, and he's not even listed as the sub. So. Yeah. So it's because of injury. Yeah. I mean, he was the rock of our defense last season and he's a ball playing center back and the style of football that our coach likes to play. Jakanovic, he likes to play the ball out of the back, meaning the ball goes from the keeper to the center back. And then we dribble the ball and pass the ball up the pitch rather than booting it down and trying to just maybe retain possession on that side of the pitch. Uh-huh. So he, Tim Ream is really crucial for us. And so it's created a lot of instability at the back. We have three new center backs. Uh, we've got Callum Chambers on loan from Arsenal. We bought a center back from uh, Nice and we brought in John Michael Seri. And uh, then we have uh, Alfie Mawson, which we purchased from Swansea because, you know, he was known as one of the better center backs in the Premier League last year. And you'll see this is that a lot of players that are that respected and known to be that good. If you're on a team that gets relegated, it's probably written into your contract that you're probably going to get sold or you can leave if you want to. And so that's how we got a hold of him. And I just don't think he's quite settled in yet. And our back four is not settled right now at all because of the injuries that we've had. And then we've had some inconsistent performances from some of the players. And so Jokanovic is still trying to find that. I think that we'll end up seeing a Tim Ream combo with one of the others that we have and that'll get settled here in the next couple of weeks. And then we'll just kind of go forward with that. Hopefully everybody will stay healthy, but yeah, that's definitely one of our struggles is our defense right now. We're scoring some goals, which I figured that we would, um, you know, Mitrovic is tied for, uh, 
uh, top goal scorer in the league. Um, and so that's, that's helped, you know, he's gone right on scoring. He scored more goals since January than any other player in Europe. I think it's the stat that I've saw just the other day. Wow. Even more than Salah, huh? Yeah. Between, uh, the last season between, uh, the world cup, between these last, uh, European matches and this year's premier league season, he scored more than anybody. So he's just absolutely, the saying is Mitro is on fire and he is on fire right now. What? So let's, ta- let's talk about him for a second. I do want to talk about some other guys I like, mm-hmm. but he seems like such an ass. Like, is he? I mean, he I mean yeah, <laughs> he, he's a little bit misunderstood. You know, when he was at Newcastle, I hated him. I, I actually, <laughs> actually watched him play a couple of matches. And he, I think back to that time, you know, he would have, he's only 23. So he would have okay. been 19 or 20 then just known he was just ripping up uh, the league in Serbia. He went to Anderlecht and scored tons of goals. Newcastle bought him. He brought in, he gets red cards all the time. He's just, uh, just doesn't really know how to conduct himself in the Premier League pitch. Some things that you might get away with in Serbia, you know, but you have to look back at where he came from. He was born, I guess he's 20. He was born in 1994-ish in Serbia. So that would have been right in the middle yeah. of the Bosnian War. And I, if you grow up in that environment, you just have a different way about you. And I saw your comment, you know, you know, he's kind of, you know, rough around the edges and he definitely is. But I think that his relationship with our manager, who's also Serbian, has given him a new calm. And I think he's the kind of guy that really wants to feel wanted. And in that change from Newcastle, where he was just kind of on the periphery because Rafa Benitez his style of play just doesn't really fit to have that bigger player up top to hold the ball up and pass off to wings. They don't play that kind of football. I think him being in a system where he's successful has calmed him down a lot. And I think he'll probably get a red card this season, but I don't think that we'll see some of those behaviors, but I mean, he, he will just absolutely terrorize center backs because he's, he's big. He's a very big man, very strong man. And he's, you know, also got that side of him still where, you know, you're going to catch a little elbow in the ribs every once in a while. Um, so yeah, I can see where you're coming from, but he works so hard. And if you watch him during the match, he's the kind of player that you want playing for your club. Yeah. And he can finish that goal. Yeah. I mean, that goal he scored was just, it was beautiful in that it was so subtle, right? Like it's just a little flick past the goalie, like, and I mean, yeah, I mean, he's just, you know, so good to get a point from Watford, obviously, who has been yeah, playing. Every, so I think great. a lot of, a lot of people um, doubted Watford before the season, but I kind of saw them maybe being as a surprise and they've definitely surprised everyone uh, this season for sure. And I, you know, I think that will probably continue based on the, their style of play. It seems like they have an identity. They're sticking with it, which is one of the things that we're doing. We're staying with the identity that we had from last season, once we've got our defensive problems sorted out, of course, for me, you know, if we get 17th and we stay up, that's enough for me. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I think I would like to think that we could get in that 12th, 13th spot and just go from there with the stability that we have with our ownership. We just have a lot of good things coming for the future. Well, you're talking about some of the defense, but one of the guys that stood out to me as, as playing really well was Fosu Mensa. He yeah. seemed to have a great match and, He's a physical, he's a physical guy. Uh, you know, he's on loan from, uh, United. So 
whenever we signed him, I kind of thought, oh, I remember him from Palace last year because last year he was on loan at Palace. And I saw some of the comments from the United supporters. They were really, you know, not very happy that he got loaned out again because they're ready to see him come into the, into the 18. And so that's a good sign. You know, if a club has established, you know, with the level of caliber of players that United have, if their supporters don't want that player to leave, then that's, that's a good sign, you know? And so I wasn't exactly sure what we we're going to get, but he's pacey. He's physical. Um, he puts his foot in. He's a good right back and he fits into our system as well because he's comfortable with the ball at his feet. Um, he's a modern fullback. He's going to get up the wing um, and he puts a good ball in. So I, I see him being very successful for us and he's got some good competition from Cyrus Christie um, who's, I guess, kind of our backup right back right now. We don't know who's going to be starting there week in, week out. So there's competition there for him and I think that will push him to you know play at his highest level. That's great. <laughs> Um, well, this is great. I, I love, it's, it's super fun to go through this, uh, process of learning about these teams and being able to watch matches. It's a long mm -hmm. season. I'm so I'm excited. I'm sure I'll get to catch Fulham again, uh, as the year goes on. Hopefully I get to see Tim Ream. Obviously you got a good win this, this week on Tuesday night in the, uh, Caribou cup. Um, it's probably good for the squad to continue, progressing there so tim ream's back and healthy it seems like or seems like i don't know if he's 100 percent. i mean he came off at 60 minutes which is you know first match back he's just been training with us for about 10 days so i think he may not be back to 100 percent. but it was good for him to get a run out against a team like millwall who's you know they were at a good season last year andrew kanovich put out a good side against millwall you know i think he we saw a lot of first teamers in there and we're still we're still gelling. I think, you know, we had a, you know, just come up a lot of our players that, you know, got playing time last year are not playing anymore. And so we, although we kind of have the same playing style and identity, we have new players that are coming together and it's going to take a couple of months and people supporters and everybody can have to be a little patient right now, waiting on that to happen and not have these knee jerk reactions. Oh my gosh, you know, we don't have any clean sheets and we're giving up all these goals it's going to keep happening. We're going to get relegated. Well, you know, I just, I, if you look at some of the bottom teams in the league, I think we'll be pretty far off where they are when it comes time to talk about that. Every episode we do a term of the week. And so, uh, this, this week we're going to be looking at the term kit or as we say in the States, Jersey, yeah. So help me understand this term kit. What does it mean? I know it refers to the Jersey or maybe the full, mm -hmm. full outfit, but give me a little, little bit so, on that. Kit can kind of be interchangeably um, defined as the whole kit, the shorts, the socks and the top. Right. Um, and, or it could just be, Oh, did you see so-and-so's kit? And they're probably just talking about their shirt. Got it. Uh, and the thing is that in England, they do not say jersey. They just say shirt. So in my closet over here, I have like eight Fulham shirts. I don't have eight Fulham jerseys. And that's the difference is that, you know, you'll never see anybody or hear anybody over there say, oh, I, I you know, I got my new Fulham jersey. It's just a Fulham shirt. And then there's also um, something that kind of goes along with that is that 
you have some supporters who would never wear a Fulham shirt because they are a football lad and football lads wear Montclair and they wear Lacoste and they wear Ralph Lauren and they wear, they don't wear the colors. So that all stems back to like some, uh, some culture in the seventies, eighties and nineties where you didn't want to be identified by your colors because you wanted to come together as a gang when you were ready to fight against the other club supporters. So kind of this hooliganism that was going on in England in the seventies, eighties, nineties, even up until today, if you just Google football lab or you football lad and you, or you YouTube it, you will find some very, very interesting things. Uh, it's just, uh, it's another term football lads don't wear shirts. And if you do, you are called a shirter, a shirter, shirter, so, shirter. So don't and, shirt yourself. Exactly. <laughs> so on, uh, on, in February, when me and my girlfriend went over there, we sat on, when we went, I went to, we went to see Bolton away and we got there, we went by train, we got on a bus with a bunch of other football lads and none of them were wearing football colors. It was just their shirts. So their regular clothes, like their day-to-day clothes, but then really nice ones like Armani and all this stuff. And yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting. I'm in a Facebook group with a bunch of Fulham supporters from over there that have become lifelong friends with me. And they want some of them are shirters and some of them are football lads. It's, the conversations are interesting. So are the lads more of like the, the hooligan type? Yeah, the hooligan type. And, you know, the shirter is more like maybe he was a football lad back in the day, but he's older now. So he wears his shirt to the matches. <laughs> Got so, it. Interesting. I'll say yeah. I want to I make one more point. Yeah. On my club's behalf and why... Fulham would be the perfect club for any American sport or really not even any American, but any international um, supporter to start following. And that is that if you decide you're going to follow Chelsea or you decide that you're going to follow, um, not to bring them up because they're down the road and we don't like them. But if you decide that you're going to follow Liverpool or another big club to that club and to the other supporters of that club that are in England, you are going to be nothing but a number. So if you support, I hate to even bring up Spurs, but they're actually even at that level um, or Liverpool and you go to a match, you are never, you're not going to make lifelong friends with those people because to them, you are just, Oh, you're one of the million fans we have around the world. Yeah. And if you support a club like Fulham and you go to a match and you sit down at the pub to have a pint and breakfast, you know, before the Saturday match, You'll end up like me and my brother and you'll meet a couple of people and you'll be looking at it four years down the road and there'll be people that you communicate with three or four times a week. And the club has made a lot of efforts over the years to take, you know, give Fulham, Texas uh, fan club, you know, jerseys to auction off. And when we come to recognize us as, um, as a valuable part of the club, and Fulham has a, because we have a large uh, American following and we are a rather small club, especially since we're in London and we're surrounded by all these other big giant clubs. Um, it's every supporter is valuable to that club and you will feel like you are supported, whether it's on the Twitter community or whether it's on our 
um, whether it's on our forums online. And when you go there, um, you will feel like you're, you're one of them. You'll never be a football lad because you didn't grow up there, but you will, you will feel like, um, you're wanted and you'll feel valued by the club. And I don't think that that's an experience that you'll get with a bigger club. There's something unique and special about supporting a smaller club and, you know, in our years in the championship and back in it, and even before that, that's something that I, that was very apparent to me from the beginning and talking to people and my friends that are Liverpool and United supporters, that's, that's an experience that they don't get. And because football, English football is a lifestyle and it is something that will become very special to you. It would, it would behoove you to choose a club where you feel like you're more a part of it rather than just this other supporter that we have. So, That's a compelling a argument, man. I love it. I love it. It's good. I like the underdog story. I like the, the small clubs surrounded by big clubs. So those are all, those are all good things. As I, as I journey down this story, I'm, I find myself like learning new things about myself, even like, what do I, what do I appreciate? You know, I've got my introductory, uh, episode where I have like my criteria, you know, episode zero, but, uh, I'm planning on coming out with an episode soon where I talk about some new things I've learned about myself and what I like. And those things that you say are, are important and are good things. So yeah. I appreciate it, Grant. Thanks so much for yeah. being on this week. Um, I can come on. Yeah, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Okay. Take care. Thanks so much for taking time out of your week to listen to this episode. Our theme song is Something Elated by Broke for Free. Thanks to One Mission, a community development organization giving people in poverty the opportunity to earn a house by serving their community. Thanks for letting me steal a little bit of my work week each week to produce these episodes. If you like these podcasts, go to onemission.org slash donate and donate to this amazing organization. 100% of your donation will go directly to our projects and programs in the field and be tied directly to a family. That's onemission.org slash donate. Recording, mixing, basically everything is done by me, Nate Hughes. I'm not only a football neophyte, but also a podcast neophyte. Please forgive any sound issues or mistakes that are made along the way. My guests have nothing to do with them. It's all me. We're now on both iTunes and Google Play. We're getting out there, people. Please rate and comment if you enjoy the podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Football Neophyte. It's Football Neophyte without the E. So that's Football N-E-O-P-H-Y-T. Football Neophyte. We'll be back next week with a new episode where we feature West Ham United and our first guest will be recorded live in the UK. Very excited for that. See you next week. Grace, peace, and love. Who's a Tino? Me. I mean, it is not a goal. Yes, why it's trash. It is.
What's your name, Drexler? Mangana. Mangana? So Atino and Mangana? Yeah, we're on the same team. What team is that? Me and Drexler. 